Totally Football Show. Are you ready for another big weekend of footballs, VAR calls and Holloway handball downfalls? We are. And with a sizzling lineup of games ahead, including the goaliest fixture in the Premier League, Liverpool Arsenal, we're set for a big one. We ask, what is your favourite clash of these titans? Will it be a titan this time around? Plus, we'll talk about the other interesting bits from the rest of the weekend's fixtures, get the latest on Europe and so much more in this Totally Football Show in association with Paddy Power. In your ears today, you have mighty Michael Cox. Hi, James. Author of The Mixer, big Duncan Alexander. Hi, James. <laughs> Fresh out of Opta. Yeah. Uh, and uh, howling Lindsay Hooper. Oh, howling. I wonder where you were going there. Howling. Yeah, I'll take that one. Good. Big day for Wolves today, wow. Lindsay, as you'll have noticed. Very much so, yeah. Um, Torino, Adama Traore is on the plane. Yes, after forgetting his passport last oh, time. Oh, did he, he have a travel, missed passport? No. If there's one player you want to run fast to an airport, it probably is Adama Traore. So. Fair. Although... He thought he could travel on just his ID card. Uh, well, anyway, a huge game coming up against Torino in the Europa League qualifiers. Part of a busy, busy schedule for Wolves. Five games in 14 days, I believe I'm right in saying. It is a busy fixture schedule, but... Everyone who's spoken to me ahead of this season starting and, and warned me about, you know, the woes of playing in the Europa League or the foreign travel, the way that it's going to take it out of the players. And what you might find, Lindsay, is that you might find that Wolves aren't in the top 10 this season. I've been warned by many people. Um, however, I, I, would, I would say that for Wolves, what they did is they achieved a lot very quickly in that first season back in the Premier League. And they were used to championship football, weren't they, the season before? playing twice a week, playing all of those fixtures. I don't think they've really got out of that habit. Um, and just being around the club and speaking to the players, they seem to be thriving from having this many fixtures, especially because they've got these new faces that have come into the club that want game time as well. So I, I spoke to Patrick Catrone this week and, you know, he's very excited about the Europa League because he probably sees that as his avenue to getting into the Premier League starting well, 11. How was his English, by the way? <laughs> <laughs> this is a sore subject because we had oh. to do it via Italian translation and it didn't go so well. Ah, all right. But, but you know, it was, it was okay. It was fine. Okay. Well, in a second, we'll catch up on Wolverhampton Wanderers' last fixture Monday night in the Premier League against Man United. You're listening to The Totally Football Show in association with Paddy Power. Monday night at Molyneux, Wolves faced Man United. Martial scored. Lingard. Rashford, Shaw coming in, and in the end it's fired in by Martial, there's the 50. It just... Ruben Neves equalised. Ruben Neves to shoot! Oh! I had to wait for it! And then Pogba took a penalty instead of Marcus Rashford. And Rui Patricio saved it and everyone's head exploded. This is a Manchester United penalty. This is not a tombola. What's Daniel James this is not saying under, to him there? This is not under fives on the playground. Decided it's not a tombola. It's a Man United penalty. So points shared. Pog in the doghouse once more. And while it's probably fair to mention, no one has a worse record on penalties than him in the entire Premier League. Am I right, Duncan? No, that's not true. Well, in the last since in the start recently, of last season, no one will beat Juan Pablo Angel's fifty percent uh, conversion Ooh. rate, which is right. not great. He has, but he wasn't he's probably four, though, hasn't he? Since the start, yeah. And Angel probably wasn't taking the ball of his teammates with perfect records to take them. True, he yeah. did. He did miss uh, two in one game at Fulham. Angel, yeah, okay. I wasn't there, James. Don't worry. <laughs> okay, all right. Nothing wrong with being at Fulham. But anyway, before we get into any of that, if indeed we're going to, what a what a what a save from Rui Patricio. It was all right. I mean, statistically, it's the worst place to put a penalty. He hit it hard, I'll give him that. But if you dive the right way, I think you're saving that the majority of the time. Just like a third up, yeah. slightly across your body, it's the worst place to put a penalty. It was interesting, obviously, that he didn't do his famous run-up, um, with which he often scored, but criticised. But this one was a standard run-up and a standard miss. Well, on the subject of delayed run-ups, oh. who might Wolves be in action against this week? Oh, it's Zaza. Yeah. That's true. Yeah, interesting. Uh, Lindsay, what a goal from Ruben Neves as well. Yeah, I, I mean, he, he just scores these wonder goals, doesn't he? I think 10 of his 13 have come from outside the box. 
He scored in the opening game. So I was at um, Molyneux when they played Everton and he scored that free kick for the first game at Molyneux last season. He scored in the first game this season. But then they did die off. He isn't that player that if, you, if you're thinking about regular goal scorers, he tends to only get sort of four or five per season. He tends to score really good goals at the start of the season, which basically gives him a free pass the rest of the season. He had like 70-odd shots from long range last season and, and he scored. He gets everyone talking about him at the start and that maintains it for the rest of the campaign. But he, he is such a good player. scores at the player. start and then it's never... Never say nevers again. <laughs> nice. Nice. <laughs> anyway. Um, I mean, extended his good stat where he's had three touches inside the penalty area in his Premier League career and, and he now has a total of five goals, which is... Uh, very like impressive. Yeah. On a broader level from Wolves' point of view, a good point, especially given that you failed to register a single shot on target in the first half of the game, and it was only in the introduction of uh, absent-mindedness is Adama Traore that... that uh, that Nuno was able to turn this thing around. Well, that is the best that I've seen him play in a Wolves shirt, easily. And who would have known? He needed more space ahead of him. That's what he needed to come on for Matt Doherty and have more space to run at. I think that probably is, is a so position he So did he play he in play a more again. withdrawn position then? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I, I felt that in that role he had that freedom that he wants and be able to inject that pace. Luke Shaw really couldn't handle him and, and that was evident in that second half and he had much joy. He was also much better with his feet, much better with the crossing. I think that's something he's been working on in training quite a lot and it, and it was a brilliant performance. I think without him, we weren't going to take anything from that game. So, um, yeah, I have to give some plaudits to Traore. Um, but just from a Manchester United point of view, given the results at Molyneux last season, both 2-1 defeats, if you look at the Cup and the league um they they went away they looked dejected in the tunnel afterwards because i was i was there waiting to do some of the interviews but actually i mean i spoke to marcus rashford they actually were really pleased with the progress mm. and he was talking about them moving in the right direction if you compared it to last season there were there were big improvements and i have to say when you talk about the on target i mean overall in in the entire match wolves had four shots off target two on target wow i mean this brings up a whole other debate with var as well in a second but Man United seven off target, one on target. And right. I think that says all that you need to know, which Man United maybe need to be a bit more clinical and certainly better on target with their shots. Did you speak to Anthony Martial? I didn't. Oh, no. OK, because he, he just had his second goal in two games. Phenomenal statistics. And a brilliant finish. <laughs> <laughs> but it was a brilliant finish. It was a good finish. And remember. it was a great move. And, and Wolves really couldn't cope with that. Um, Wolves, by the way, 17 fouls compared right. to how many do you think United had? Six. Is that all? Yeah. Oh. So I think there was a bit of out-muscling going on as well. Oh, or trying to niggle. If we talk about the furore to do with the penalty. Okay. Obviously, a lot of people were upset about what happened. But particularly Gary Neville, I think we all witnessed. Um, Neville actually played in a United game against Burnley, early first game of the 2009-10 season. Mm -hmm. Burnley, the first time they came up. Um, United got a penalty. Michael Carrick took it after the game and missed it. After the game, Alex Ferguson said he wasn't sure who the penalty taker was. He thought it was going to be Rooney or maybe Michael Owen. Really? Um, So it's not like it's a brand new thing that's never happened before. It happens quite a lot. Pogba was taking spot kicks, I think, last season, wasn't yeah. he? But as we mentioned before, did so very badly that Rashford, whose record is uh, much better, looked like he was set to take this one. There, there was this discussion as well afterwards about, you know, if you've won the penalty, yes. then you take the penalty if it's either of them. But usually, it's the usually it's the other way around. Often some managers say if you've won the penalty, then you don't take it because you're all het up. But there's also a kind of sliding doors thing with penalties Ooh. as well because if you remember, yeah. the game that essentially got Solskjaer the job was the PSG match which Pogba was suspended for which meant that Rashford took the penalty in the last minute that got them through. So, you know, do right. your own math. Well, let's do a flip reverse it on that one. Love that. Um, I mentioned Martial's stats. I know, Duncan, you were keen to talk about the bigger number issue with Martial which is the one on his back. Yeah, he, he's gone back to number nine, and right. as you said, is, is now deadly with two and two. And uh, It's quite rare. He's, I think he's the, um, only the third United player after Paul Scholes and Antonio Valencia to start with one number, move away, and then go back to the, to the original number. But, but um, it's quite common to change your number once. Yeah, that, that happens a lot, because obviously players might come into a club, get a really random number, and then one becomes available that they prefer. Did he have to give up the nine for Lukaku? Yeah. 
Right. Yeah, and his goal scoring record is is a lot better in nine. So maybe there is something to it. I mean, Michael's Fulham. Um, there's a famous <laughs> example where Steve Sidwell did the same. He had number seven. Uh, Pavel Pogrebniak came in, said, right. "Hey, I want seven. Right. So Sidwell went, "Yeah, fine." Went to four. Then uh, Big Pav left, and uh, Sidwell went back to seven. I mean, I I think of it often actually. I wonder right. who's done it the most. I don't know, but it's it's often a feature of the contract that it is stipulated that a player will have. A, a particular number. Well, there was the issue when David Beckham joined Real Madrid, obviously synonymous with number seven. Right. Uh, but going to Real's Real Madrid, that wasn't going to happen. So he spent ages choosing a number and, and then went what, for 23 which, because was it Michael Jordan's number? Is that right? Okay. Uh, Zamorano famously at Inter Milan when uh, he, he, he ran around with one plus eight. Do you remember that? Because that <laughs> makes nine. nine yeah. We had one eight and then he put a plus. I don't know if somebody sewed that on or used athletic tape or something. I think my favourite squad number thing is a Hartlepool fan once told me that Chris Turner gave a lone striker the number three shirt to uh-huh. show that he valued him as a first teamer, which I think is a, a nice, if unnecessary, touch. Right. Are you one of those people who gets upset about random team numbers, like strikers in number threes or, or goalkeepers in number 11s or, or similar? Yeah. Right. I don't really like them over 50. Really? Remember, yeah, remember any when numbers Buffon over 50. had 88? Yeah. Well, the 2011 Russian yeah. Premier League season, which I'm sure we all think fondly of um the average squad number was 27.4 uh there was there were nine players with the number 99 shirt i mean You're kidding yeah um by the way uh, the 88 of buffon then you know any antifa out, out there will be uh, their ears will be pricking at that and he always denied any knowledge of, of that significance to the particular combination crazy coincidence yeah uh right should jesse lingard change his shirt number <laughs> Because, Duncan, I saw you tweet an extraordinary The Pool-esque stat this week about his remarkable run, which basically is that in only one of the last 11 months has Lingard contributed either a goal or an assist for Man United. Yeah, last December he had four goals and two assists. It was quite an up-and-down month for United, if you remember. Mourinho left, um, Solskjaer came in, he did well, but then, yeah, that's it. It's a, all the other months have been blank. Now, I felt a bit bad because then I was inundated with responses of people then you know blaming nonsensical things like you know his a pigeon uh no, no the incident with the pigeon wasn't mentioned actually actually no it was advent um, calendar boost yes no but more like you know the classics oh lingard spends too much time on social media blah blah blah, which is clearly nonsensical in terms of his form but it is quite a, a quirky uh, little little it barren, was his exchange with pogba though that won the penalty wasn't it there you go i thought he played quite well actually lingard he's a funny player because uh-huh. I think he often plays quite well, but he just doesn't seem to get the, the goal contributions. Right. Does it, he, he performs another role in, in the team? I think his link plays good. He's intelligent with his movement. I think he's hard work and he presses well. But if you are playing that system, you kind of want more from your number 10, don't you? Mm. His movement is, is what causes other teams' problems. So sometimes what he does off the ball rather than what he does on it, because he draws players away. And, and that did happen quite a few times at Molyneux on Monday. Mm. So, but, but, you know, you, you do want him to be among the, the stats more with the with assists and goals. Also with uh, Lingard, there's the question of whether it's really him playing. As he himself <laughs> asked last season, did you see that? <laughs> did you see that? When he, he did a thing with Marcus Rashford pre a Champions League round, I think, and where he, he and uh, Rashford were discussing what it's like being youngsters who've broken into the, the Man United first team. Well, we'll, 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 we'll dig that out maybe and see if we can hear that in a second or two. But next up for United, they're going to be at home to Palace, who've literally never, never beaten them in the Premier League, Duncan. They haven't won away at Old Trafford in the league since the day after Alan Bradley got killed by a tram in Coronation Street. So, <laughs> when, when was that? 1989. Very dark weekend for Greater Manchester. Okay. Bizarrely, I remember that. My mum's a big Corrie fan. Okay. I remember that being on telly. But this is the kind of game that Palace often excel in. I mean, away... Well, not, no, it really not, isn't. Not, not specifically this <laughs> fixture, but away at big sides. You fancy them more than at home. At home, when they're up against a deep defence, they just can't score. They cross the ball, Benteke misses loads of chances but away from home with Zaha on the break Zaha against Wan-Bissaka is going to be a fascinating clash right uh, I'm quite up for this game the, yeah the other clash that looks interesting Football 365 pointing out this season the most fouls have come from Luka Molivojevic who's had a foul every 18 minutes uh, whereas the most fouled player is Daniel James 
who's uh, had eight so far, and they could be facing each other here. I was going to say that the the thing that I'm looking forward to is this this debate of who's going to get hacked down more, Daniel James or Wilf Zahar. Because right. apparently both the most targeted, if you believe the, the most recent stats about Daniel James, they're, they're the most targeted players in the Premier League. Uh, Wolves, by the way, Turin tonight. And then on Sunday, another team in Granada, sort of, Burnley and the deadly <laughs> Ashley Barnes. Uh, Who likes to dine in Five Guys? Does he? Yeah, so Who he, doesn't, he was He was in Five Guys, wasn't he, after... After the game, where the opening game, where he got two goals, I think there were pictures all over social media of him dining in Five Guys. Right. Keeping it with the people. By the way, listener, that Lingard and Martial exchange, a two-hander they were doing for UEFA.com, sounded uh, like this. Before the last game, we were reading like the match day programme and he's looking at pictures of us all celebrating from last games. And then he nudges me. But I've got my headphones in. And then I'm like, what? And he goes, Rash, is that Oz? And he starts touching his own face and then touching the paper. And he goes, we actually play for you. <laughs> He's like, how do we know, though? That is us. How do we know? You actually don't know, though? No, but you do. You don't. You do. You don't. Right, just think for, for five seconds. Your face might not be my crush's face, has it? I don't know. Who is it then? Who is it then? I don't know. It might That's pretty know. sweet, isn't it? Yeah, it reminds me of a story where Dennis Burkamp signed for Arsenal and he said it only really sunk in, even though he'd signed the contract, when he went back to his hotel room and turned on teletext and it said <laughs> Burkamp signs for Arsenal, which I really liked because I was surprised that he would go on teletext, but apparently... Uh, in parts of Holland, you could get British teletext because of the, the And signal. they kept it going a lot longer than the UK as well. Is they, that right? Yeah, the, the low countries are, hu- are a huge fan of uh, the teletext-based news system. <laughs> right. <laughs> I bet you never used teletext, James. I did, actually. Yeah. I used to be... I remember in hotel rooms... Okay. Um, Bamboozle fan. <laughs> in, in Italy, watching Italian teletext. Oh, yeah. And yeah. waiting for the page. You know, if, the, if there was, say, three pages, you'd be waiting for the, the third one to load up, oh, which had the story you were waiting And then you just miss it, and then you'd have to wait for exactly, it to go all yeah. the way around again. Like yeah. a train in the morning. Oh. Mm. Yeah, like a train in the morning. Very much so. <laughs> anyway, up next, let's get on to that Liverpool-Arsenal clash, eh? It's nice to have a break from advertising, so here's some classical music. Nice. Mm. At Paddy Power, we thought football shirts could use a break from advertising too. That's why we've sponsored Huddersfield Town's shirt without a logo and started the Save Our Shirt campaign where any football team that Paddy Power sponsor will be, well, unsponsored. (laughs) Don't you wish we weren't on your shirt too? Now, let's get Bark to the music. (laughs) Paddy Power, enough of the nonsense. 18 plus, begumbleaware.org. On Spotify, smart speaker and podcast platforms everywhere, this is the Totally Football Show from Muddy Knees Media. Liverpool Arsenal, Duncan, Michael, Lindsay, Liverpool Arsenal. This fixture, I put it to you, doesn't get the love it deserves. Arsenal's most kind of classicus games, you think of Chelsea or Man United and all that. And the same for Liverpool, you don't think of Arsenal as being their historic adversary. But yet, this is a game that's given us... And more goals than any other Premier League fixture, Duncan, am I right? You are right. Not only that, more hat-tricks than any other Premier League fixture. More right. uh, 90th minute winners than any other Premier League fixture. The latest goal in Premier League history. The latest goal. Dirk Kout, remember that one? 101 yeah. minutes and 48 seconds. What used to be the, or maybe still is the fastest hat-trick in Premier League history, uh, Fowler's, no, in 94, in four that and a half minutes. was the fastest until Sadio, Sadio Mane, Mane, who right. now plays in this fixture with a plum. Um, that... Cout girl, by the way, yep. the game had reached the same point as the length of uh, Casablanca by that point. Right. So, um, and let's hope the uh, the two giants can play it again this weekend. Oh, that's very nicely done, Duncan. Um, Michael, as the Premier League's de facto biographer, <laughs> by means of your excellent book, The Mixer, mm-hmm. uh, which, which ones stand out for you? I'm probably not allowed to say the FA Cup final, am I? The 2001? Yeah. Well, you can say that if it you want. It was just a very memorable FA Cup final, obviously. Tell us why. Well, Arsenal dominated and led for a long period of time. And then going into the last 10 minutes, Michael Owen scored two goals. The second one, a really good goal on the run with his left foot. Owen, stretching his legs and getting away from Dixon and getting his shot away. And it's there. That is just absolutely fantastic. He has won the cup for Liverpool all by himself. Michael Owen has scored 
probably led to Arsene Wenger overhauling that back four a little bit more quickly than he would have done, which I think was obviously very useful because Arsenal then won two of the next three titles. But he probably also won Michael Owen the Ballon d'Or that year. I know it's a, it's, it seems funny to say about an FA Cup final, but it was a year where there wasn't an outstanding candidate for the Ballon d'Or. Owen won a lot of trophies that year, played well in a, a couple of the other finals, but it's really the FA Cup that he completely turned around. Right. Um, he had obviously the England game a few months later against Germany, which I think kind of sealed the deal. But he says that game is his favourite, you know, that performance is his favourite performance and those goals are his favourite goals. So it obviously lives long in his memory. He was really criticised for not having a left foot until that point. I see. Um, and then scored the winner with his left foot. So that was quite a big moment for him, I think. This fixture is, is so storied. It goes even before the dawn of the Premier League. <laughs> yeah. The, the famous it's, it's up, up for grabs now, Mickey Thomas League finale. One of the greatest ever league finales. Possibly the greatest. I mean, people will say the Aguero QPR game, but the fact that the Michael Thomas game was between the two teams who could win the league. And mm. Liverpool hadn't lost at home by two goals for such a long time. And, you know, so many iconic moments. Steve McMahon. Even a year later in, in 1990, Liverpool had won the title back from Arsenal. Right. Um, uh, and, and was Mickey Thomas playing for them by this point? Not by this point. He was signed oh. by Sue Nesp. So we go to autumn 1990. Um, and this was the season that Kenny Dalglish ended up resigning from Liverpool, but Liverpool were like untouchable at this time. They they went to Highbury. They'd won twelve and drawn two of their opening fourteen games, and everyone was like, "Well, once again, Liverpool going to romp the title." Strangely, Dalglish then played six defenders in that game, which is pretty unusual. Um, they lost three nil um, and never really recovered. And a few months later, Dalglish was gone. Liverpool never won the title since. So that game at the time felt like you know a fairly run of the mill game for Liverpool's pretty much changed history 2009 you remember that when under Benitez it looked like they might be set for an unlikely title bid once again when they hosted Arsenal no rather they hosted Andrei Shavin effectively <laughs> and drew 4-4 with the, with the Russian and wasn't that a performance out of here comes Fabianski oh and uh, Walcott a long way to go but he's capable of doing that Alonso here's Arshavin He's played in, Arshavin, he's done it, four, in the 90th minute. Yeah, it was bizarre, uh, I mean Arshavin barely touched the ball in that game aside from scoring four goals. He had four shots and scored with all four. Um, it's the only time a player in Premier League history has ever scored four goals and not ended on the winning team, which is quite <laughs> Arsenal, but... Um, given they've also the only team that have ever been 4-0 up and not won a game as well against Newcastle. He's so. such an extraordinary figure as well. My recollection is that he effectively had two good games in his career, but that can't be true. My, when I think of Arsene, I think he essentially signed for Arsenal about a week after the transfer window closed. Mm. There, just, there seemed to be a man outside the Emirates in a snowstorm for about a week saying, <laughs> he's, he's almost here, he's yeah. almost here. He'd had an amazing 2008 uh, European Championships with Russia. Yeah and uh, a rather less stellar Arsenal career. Last seen riding a horse. Do you remember the end of last season? He he was kicked out of a strip club, I think, in St. Petersburg. Uh, so he rode a horse down the streets of that town, presumably exploiting some forgotten bylaw or something. <laughs> Classic manoeuvre. I remember seeing on my secondary school where a boy got expelled from school and the next day came riding past the school on a horse. Really? Shouting abuse at teachers, which is one of, one of my favourite <laughs> school, <laughs> school memories. <laughs> Where did he get the horse from? I wouldn't like to Had comment it. on that. Okay. Uh, Andrea Shavin, who retired only only 2018. He'd been uh, active in the Kazakh League. I say active within the context of uh, his career. Uh, but equally, you know, we talk about that time where Liverpool's title challenge came royally unstuck. 2014, probably the last time we took Arsenal seriously as title contenders. They went to, you're grimacing, they were league leaders. It was fair. No, but I mean, they were in the title challenge in 2016 as well, the uh, Leicester season. Well, yeah, okay, fair point, fair point. But top of the table, February 2014, they went to Anfield looking to solidify their hold on first place, but something quite different happened, courtesy of. And talk about unlikely, a Martin Skirtle brace inside the first 10 minutes. Yeah, that was an extraordinary game. I mean, Suarez's performance is one of the best I've seen in Premier League history, I think, although he didn't actually score in that game. No, he didn't, did he? So they were 4-0 down after 20 minutes. It finished up 5-1. The other goal scorers were... Sturridge, Sterling. That's and Ar right. Arsenal's was a penalty. Yeah, that game sort of set the template for modern Liverpool-Arsenal games at Anfield, really. I mean, even last season we saw Arsenal had the temerity to score early on and then Liverpool... like 
after being prodded like a tiger with a stick, just went down the other end of the pitch and said, uh, we're, we'll beat you heavily once more. I mean, Roberto Firmino is a particular thorn in their side at the moment. A hat-trick that was last December, wasn't it? In a 5-1 Liverpool victory. Lindsay, are they going to prod the tiger this time, do you think, Arsenal? I think the the most likely thing that they can do is have a high-scoring draw. Right. I don't see them winning at Anfield just because of that history and how many goals have been scored there. Also, how many times they concede. I mean, in the last six matches in that thread where you know they've had 5-1, they've lost twice, there's been a 4-0 demolition, 3-1, isn't it? All the past six Merseyside derbies. They've conceded at least two goals per game, so 22 in total. So I can't see... Arsenal not conceding, but I also think that if Unai Emery is brave enough to go with this front three to match Liverpool's front three, then there, there should be goals. So maybe yeah. a high-scoring draw. Well, that, that's one of the questions, isn't it? With Adrian in for Alisson and with Liverpool perhaps still with a muscle memory of passing back to a keeper who can deal with it, could the pace of the likes of Aubameyang putting pressure on the keeper, could that prove a key factor? So I was just going to say about Aubameyang that mm. actually don't get too excited don't. about him right. because against top six opposition, he doesn't actually have the best record oh, of scoring. He so he, he's scored three goals in 13 games against the top six, but against the rest of the league, 31 in 38. So he, he isn't big at scoring against the big teams. But having said that, we haven't seen him with Pepe around him before. I mean, Emery hasn't always started him in big games. I mean, he's often chosen between him and Lacazette. I think he will play him. And I think it would be interesting to see him up against Alexander-Arnold because obviously you've got to be careful with Alexander-Arnold because he's so creative. But the first, well, the two games he's played this season, he's left so much space behind him mm. for, for attackers to run into. So I'd quite like to see Emery be brave and maybe on the other flank go for someone a little bit more cautious. But uh, he could be a big factor here, I think. And it's that space behind him that is going to be the interesting part of the game, I think. I, I think really there's a battle in midfield. If if Fabinho starts for Liverpool, which we think he will, it's most likely, isn't it, Henderson and Wijnaldum. I honestly think that that could be the key battle in, in that part of the pitch. You know, if Torreira starts, it is going to be who can defend that back defensive lineup, however they line up uh, the best because I do think that the, they are, can be breached. And like you say, with Alisson now injured as well, there is that possibility that Arsenal could, could actually breach Liverpool's defence more than they have before. Top two in the league, Michael. Top of the table clash. I don't count the league table until after three games, James. I'm a traditionalist. Uh, Good point. This is the first time since uh, 1990, which we've mentioned, that both Arsenal and Liverpool start with two wins out of two. So we are heading back. Claxton alert. Klopp's never lost, has he, to Arsenal? True. With Liverpool. With Liverpool. Very true. Listener, what's your favourite fixture? Do write in and tell us. Send us down to stress address envelope. And we'll feature that in our special mis- listener's post bag, probably. If there are some really good ones, what's your favourite fixture not involving Wolves, Lindsay? I've really become a big fan of the, the Manchester derby in recent years, okay. which I never thought would, would pull me in the way that it has. I think it's probably ever since that epic where Rooney scored the overhead kick, I've just always thought they've been good matches. Michael? The Classico. Really? Crystal Palace Brighton? <laughs> yeah, that one. Yeah, Cool. What I find interesting about fixtures is <laughs> certain fixtures, you, like, you feel like you've seen a lot of them. And, and like North London derbies, I feel like I've over the years missed quite a few of them. Whereas I can remember, say, Merseyside derbies really clearly. So, uh-huh. I don't know. I'm not really sure of the point I'm making, but I think that... Um, Listeners, what is the point Duncan's making? Yeah. I think certain, you kind of have an affinity to certain fixtures. And right. No, think, definitely. Like a ley line. Can I tell you yeah. what my least favourite fixture is? Okay. Liverpool Man United because generally just rubbish games constantly right. I once okay. watched that game in a pub in Manchester and they didn't have a big screen so they projected the game onto a bed sheet um, <laughs> and every time anyone went to the toilet and the door opened the sheet kind of billowed and it was hard to follow the, the flow of the game you probably didn't miss much loads more to come from the Premier League this weekend and we'll look at some of those fixtures perhaps you'd like to pick out a fixture that most excites you each mm-hmm But before we get on to that, just to mention some of the huge games going on around Europe. Schalke Bayern, for example, in the Bundesliga. Will Coutinho make his debut for his new German side, Bayern Munich? That's uh, Saturday tea time kickoff there. Barcelona in Spain, who are behind Real Madrid for the first time in 76 game weeks, as Alvaro uh, Romeo was revealing on Tuesdays totally. will be hosting Betis. Betis beat them there last season. Barcelona will have no Messi and no Suarez. 
Could another upset be on the cards? In Italy, Serie A gets underway. Parma-Juve is the opening game on Saturday. Fiorentina-Napoli follows straight afterwards with Frank Ribery, Fiorentina's new signing, on the bench at least, says their manager Vincenzo Montella. Will Inter have Alexis Sanchez when they face off against newly promoted Lecce on Sunday? I don't know. In Portugal, it's only Benfica-Porto on Saturday. Could be the standout fixture. I nearly said that as my favourite fixture. Oh, did you? Yeah. Why do you like Benfica Porto so much? Because they're always big games. They're always pretty much the top two for the league, and they're always just open and entertaining. You don't tend to get cagey nil nils. Right. You'll be tuning in on Saturday. I'm not no sure I've I- got the right channel. No idea where. <laughs> you don't know where it is. <laughs> no idea. Where do I watch? There'll be a window on someone's laptop. I'm sure that'll yeah. be carrying it. And in France, where Paris Saint Germain are currently eighth, Lindsay eighth. Uh, they are going to be up against Toulouse, and you've got Lyon, Nice, and Rennes, who are up top, level on points, all facing interesting games. Nice, actually, are up against uh, uh, Olympic Marseille, who are still looking for their first win. Do you know who Olympic Marseille's manager is these days? Andre Villas-Burs, that's right. So they haven't had a win yet, but if you're counting on anyone to help them rally... Nice. Yeah. Ah, first, eh? yeah. Nice. It's a lot to keep track of, all that European <laughs> stuff, but luckily there is... A special podcast every Tuesday on the Totally Football Show feed, which will do the job for you. Uh, breaking news, by the way, Michael, that Benfica-Porto game I can exclusively reveal is on Free Sports, which is the standard definition, unless they've HD'd it over the summer, a branch of Premier Sports. Yeah, that's good. They had the rights last season, but I didn't know they'd retained it. So yeah, then they have, and they'll be showing all the Italian stuff as well this weekend too. Nice. So that's nice. Excellent. All right, up next, back to the... Uh, cosy comforts of the Premier League you're listening to the Totally Football Show with James Richardson right Premier League this weekend we've already talked about Arsenal Liverpool Wolves Burnley and Man United taking on Crystal Palace the other games well it kicks off Friday with Aston Villa Everton then you've got Norwich against Chelsea Saturday lunchtime Brighton Saints in an all-South Coast affair. Watford West Ham, two teams in search of a W. Sheffield United against Leicester. Sunday, Man City are at Bournemouth. Newcastle visits Spurs. Pick a game out of that lot. Lindsay. I'm going to go with the game that I'm going to be at. Oh, which one's that? Which is Watford West Ham. Ah. Because if you, you actually implied there, you know, they're in, both in search of a win. But also, both have perhaps been deemed to be the two teams that could be vying for that seventh position, best of the rest, not had the best start to the season. Where are they? I think this is going to be a good account to find out that answer. Both looking to prove something. I think West Ham have got more, got a little bit more leeway here because they had Manchester City on, on the opening day. Now, I know it was a 5-0 drubbing, but I think you put that that result aside. They got the point against Brighton at, Interesting, it's going to be Mark Noble. It's going to be the 15th anniversary of him making his debut at West Ham. Is that right? So he should be back. He's trained fully this week, so he should be back. Not only 15 years, but also his 350th Premier League game if he plays. So Wow. Speaking of anniversaries, Sunday, it's going to be 25 years almost to the day since Jurgen Klinsmann made his debut for Spurs in that 4-3 win at, at Hillsborough. Demonstrating how easy it is to sway the, the British public. Right. Like, oh, hate Klinsman, he's evil. And then he does, dives after he scores that goal. Everyone's like, brilliant. Mm-hmm. Always, always loved Klinsman. Yeah, yeah. That glorious, innocent time. Anyway, Spurs, they're going to be hosting Newcastle. Sun's back from suspension. That's a boost. Yeah, yeah. I, I fancy Spurs for that. Newcastle have been quite unimpressive so far. Yeah. Mm. It's a long way from Newcastle to London, so I imagine they might fly down, which will be good, because it reminds me of that bit in Steve Bruce's disappointing third book, Defender, when his uh, character, Steve Barnes, says, I was able, he's flying over London, he says, I was able to, see, to clearly see several landmarks. I could see the dome at Greenwich and the whole outline of the Isle of Dogs, brackets, which isn't a complete island at all, close brackets, <laughs> and is the setting for the soap opera EastEnders. <laughs> So maybe he'll remember that. Maybe Sunday morning as Steve and Newcastle circle above the City of London Airport. Yeah. Similar thoughts being racing I will be looking in the sky to see if he's there. Wow. That's brilliant. I was just going to mention that St. Maxim and Joe Ellington are both injured for Newcastle. So, yeah. Okay. Michael, what game most attracts your interest this weekend? I think Norwich-Chelsea, which is sometimes a tricky away flight for London-based teams, mm. controversially. Um, I've been impressed by Norwich so far. I was impressed by them even when they lost on the opening day to 
Liverpool. And I think Chelsea's problem has been they haven't protected the defence well enough. There seems to be a lot of space between the lines. And the runs of Steeperman and Cantwell, I thought, were really effective last time out. Cantwell, I must say, I barely knew of before the Premier League, but he was excellent last weekend. Wonderful knack of receiving the ball in the half turn. And I wouldn't rule out Norwich winning this. And if so, you start to wonder about Chelsea and Lampard. They don't tend to give managers too long. I think Lampard has more more leeway than, mm. than anyone that's come before him. But, you know, Chelsea finished third last year. They yeah. won the Europa League. They can't go long without winning a game before people start to ask questions. He'd wow. be the first Chelsea manager not to win any of his first four games in charge, obviously with the Super Cup, um, since Bobby Campbell in 1988. So... I mean, obviously Chelsea have been very good in the interim, but yeah, as Michael... I mean, Michael, you did say in the pre-season that you, you thought they'd crash out of the top six. So. I did, but then after yeah, after the first two... Well, the, the loss to United and Liverpool, I actually thought they played all right. Mm. Um, but they're a results-based club, aren't they? They're not a club that's used to, this is a long-term project, give it time. There's just not that history there. Can Norwich pull off a, a massive surprise against Chelsea? Well, Pukki's... Probably the key man here. I mean, he became only the second player to ever score a hat-trick in his second appearance in the Premier League after the legendary Clive Mendonca back mm. in 98. Um, he could become the new Pavel Pobrebniak, who did it in his third game. I mean, if he gets another hat-trick, um, you know, people will take notice. I don't sh- think he'll get a hat-trick. Do you get, think he'll get a hat-trick against Two Chelsea? Two words, Kurt Zuma. <laughs> oh, he's been all right last couple of games. Wow. We'll, I felt we'll really see. sorry for him at Old Trafford. Yeah, me and all. But it's exciting. You mentioned Pavel Pogrebniak, who's a player I'd completely forgotten about. Where's he now? I don't know. Right. He must have retired. Was it that long ago? Yeah, he was quite old when he when he came, wasn't he? Was he? He All played right. like he was old. It's been that sort of season where players have just suddenly, some of them have just disappeared. I mean, Ashley Williams being released by Everton, got no club. There's, but there's lots of older names that, you know, they haven't had a fanfare farewell. Yeah, mm. and John Terry got two. Seems unfair for <laughs> Pavel Viktorovich Pogrebniak is a professional footballer who plays as a striker for FC Euro Yekaterinburg. And he wears number 88, apparently. Oh. Well, he did play for Reading, which is the club with a very chequered history with squad numbers, giving one to the fans. <laughs> In other That's premi- still going on, by the way. Oh, they still... Yeah, it was on the back of the programme the other day. Not for me, Pavel. Duncan, is there a game that you are looking forward to above all others? Uh, Sheffield United Leicester, because uh-huh. in this... This interested me. It might interest some other people. I find it particularly niche. This is the first ever top flight game between two teams who've won the top flight but never in the 20th century. Okay, so Sheffield United have only won the league once, <laughs> did it in the 19th century. Okay. Leicester, obviously, people remember, hopefully, they won it a few years ago. Yes. So both league ties were winners but never did it in the 20th century. <laughs> I like that. That's actually, that is, yeah. That's niche. No, but I, it's I niche. yeah, it's there's a little bit of history not, to it. Not you know. every day you can say that about a fixture. Football didn't start in the 20th century. Indeed not. Indeed not. Rackets, it started in the 19th. Um, well, it actually didn't, did it? I had a, a far more kind of parochial question. What's up with Jamie Vardy? Because you'd been talking the other day, we had that little discussion mm. about what constitutes a shot on target and similar. But and how many shots has he actually had? Well, he hasn't scored yet. In his last six hours of Premier League football, right. he's had three shots. Why is that, do you think? Is that? Uh... I don't know. I thought he was quite lively against Chelsea. Had that one that he hit across the face of the goal. Right. I didn't think there was much wrong His with His movement's him pretty good. Yeah, he cut a very frustrated figure in some of the highlights that you've seen in the in the first two games. Yeah. Because um, I've, I've only watched Leicester in, in sort of match of the day highlights. Um, but he looked like he was getting very, very down about the fact that he was getting in these brilliant spots and no one was, was picking him out. Um, but, you know, Jamie Vardy of old would have made sure that he kept going and got in those positions, whereas I, I think he li- he looked to get a bit despondent. Mm. But Leicester, I think, have looked... They, uh, you know, they, they should have really won at Chelsea last week, the second half. They cut them open again and again. I mean, you talked about Wolves' fouls on, on Monday night. Sheffield United have actually made the most so far this season, which is interesting. their way into the Premier well, League. Well, obviously, a few people got criticism for getting the wrong impression of Sheffield United before the season started, but maybe they were right all along. <laughs> maybe maybe so. Aston Villa-Everton on Friday is an opportunity for Jack Grealish to get his 21st defeat in a row. He's currently on that incredible run <laughs> oh, no. with the club. Uh, Toffees, meanwhile, the only side who have yet conceded a goal in the Premier League. 
Yeah. They last started the season with three clean sheets in a row back in 1912, but wow. only came 11th, so they were quite Everton-y even then. Um, so just on Jack Grealish, actually, yeah. he's got the third highest expected assists so far this season, so he might lose every game forever, but he's still playing quite well. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, Brighton Saints, that is Graham Potter against his former club. Got one on this, if you want. Okay, go on then, yeah. <laughs> Southampton are unbeaten in their last five games south of Southampton. They can only play, right, Bournemouth, <laughs> Portsmouth or Brighton, which is south of Southampton. Right. I mean, yeah, they're quite good south Perhaps due to the geographical limitations of the British Isles, they haven't won a league game since April. Was that against a team south of them? Possibly, I'm not sure. Um, did you want to say something about Brighton and, and no, Saints? just wanted to say this is a genuine question. Right. Does anyone remember Graham Potter at Southampton? Like I, No. I, I've read so many times that he was at Southampton, but I don't recall. He only played eight games in the Premier League. Yeah. Oh, is that right? But I'd like to think if a player plays eight games in the Premier League, I'll remember him forever. It must rankle that Ali Dyer played 20 odd minutes <laughs> and uh, and gets remembered much much more than Graham Potter do you believe in the new look Brighton or is this just an early season no I think, I think they've looked really good so far but I think the interesting thing about them is for all the kind of new vibes I think Glenn Murray's been really good you know last time out I thought he was excellent with his back to goal and sometimes you do need that kind of player almost playing the Giroud role if you've got lots of technical players on rushing you you know, if you play someone with back to goal, laying the ball off, that can be really useful. So, you know, I thought he might get phased out, but it doesn't look like it so far. And Lewis Dunk. He's a player that I thought someone would take away from Brighton this summer. They managed to hang on to him. But we're, you talk about this new look, Brighton, but we've both just mentioned, you know, hardy souls that have been there for some time. Very, very true. The fixture that we haven't mentioned much is Man City, who visit Bournemouth, who've never beaten Man City in 14 previous league meetings losing each of their last eight games though they have done a little bit better recently against big six opposition uh, they beat Chelsea in January at the Vitality and, and Spurs actually in May 1-0 this game this exact fixture last season obviously semi-famous for the fact that um, Bournemouth didn't have a single shot their, their stats in that game were no shots five touches in the opposition box 87 passes in the opposition half and 18% possession wow top word Duncan by the way, you're probably aware that you're joining us for Totally Football Live in London in a few weeks' time. you got that date, I hope, marked in your diary, the 30th of September. It's a Monday. Listener, if you'd like to join us there, that's me, Duncan, James Horncastle and Julian Laurence. We're going to be at the Southbank Centre. Uh, then get along to southbankcentre.co.uk and have a search for Totally Football Show. I think there's actually a picture and you can click on that. There'll be a lot of fun and games and stats and fun and games and all that sort of thing. Good, that's the Premier League weekend. Very shortly, we'll have a look and see if there's been any nice tweets for us. <laughs> and, oh, Nick Miller's joining us as well with uh, news on the unfortunate Berry and, and Bolton and things like that. And we'll cover some other business as well. Uh, but right now, here's producer Ben. Thank you very much, Jimbo. Lee Price from Paddy Power is on the line. Lee, we've been speaking extensively about Liverpool and Arsenal in the show this week. So uh, please give us the numbers on there being four or more goals at Anfield this Saturday. Yeah, we think there will be goals in this one. Brave call, I know. Uh, it's just 11 to 10, so just over evens, that there'll be three and a half goals in this game. No, VAR isn't going to start rolling out half goals. That just means basically four or more goals, as you've requested there. We can get 13 to 5. There are four and a half goals, i.e. five or more. Or you think there's going to be quite a tight game. It's 11-2 that one goal wins it. And we have got money back as a free bet if Mohamed Salah scores. Selective markets only, pre-match singles only, max free bet £10. TNCs apply. Timu Puki is the top scorer in the Premier League at the moment. So is he going to get another one against Chelsea? I really hope so. There's something quite cute and endearing about uh, Puki, Although I'm sure he's, he won't thank me for saying that. Um, it's 17-10 to 10, he scores any time against Chelsea. And their defence has left a lot of space so far this season. So... I can definitely see that. If you really think he's going to make a mark, is 11-2 he scores first, or the same price, 11-2, that he scores last. Things haven't been going so well for Villa at the moment. Can they get their first points on the board? I'm not sure I can see this one coming. Uh, Everton in good form, Villa not. It's 2-1 the Villains win at home here. 5-2 they get a draw, or 5-4 the away side win Everton. That's quite a good price. If you do think Villa will avoid defeat for the first time this season, it's 4-7 on a double chance. That means they either win or draw, and you win. 
You can find these odds and more at paddypower.com or the Paddy Power app. Prices are accurate at the time of recording. It's over 18s only. Terms and conditions apply. And when the fun stops, stop. Hello, Nick Miller. Hello, James. Hi, Nick Miller. I, uh, I heard you talking about uh, Jürgen Klinsmann earlier on. There's actually an interesting article on the TuddyFootballShow.com about no way. Jürgen, why Jürgen Klinsmann signed for Tottenham all those years ago. Oh, oh, really? Would you like to throw us a little teasing tidbit? Well, it seems he decided to sign for Tottenham because he had a very nice cappuccino on Alan Sugar's yacht. That seemed to be the answer to it. Really? He, he just kind of fancied playing in some playing somewhere new, so he came to Tottenham. But, but he must have been already thinking of Tottenham. Or was he on... Alan Sugar's yacht for entirely coincidental reasons to do with perhaps Amstrad. Uh, well, I mean, Maybe that telephone. Do you remember that telephone? The e- email phone? That's the one. Useful. Yeah. But it's crazy the way that these kind of epochal moves come down to the smallest of, 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 of incidents. Yeah, well, the, the, the story that they both kind of tell is that they both, Sugar happened to be on his yacht in Monaco and Klinsman's agent called him and said, do you fancy signing Jürgen Klinsmann? Right. And Alan Sugar said, yes, yes, please, I do. He likes his coffee with sugar. Oh, there you go. I was <laughs> going to say, do you want some sugar in your cappuccino? Yeah. Right. Very horribly wrong. Brilliant. <laughs> this is all if great. Only, if only I'd spoken to you before I wrote this article. <laughs> right. It's, anyway, that's available on the totallyfootballshow.com. Excellent. Anything else uh, on there we should be looking out for, Nick? Well, there is an article about Barry, which oh. throws nicely to what we're going to talk about. It's basically about what happens to clubs when they disappear when they go out of business. Well, which, which hopefully doesn't prove relevant, although time is, is really running out. It's tomorrow, isn't it, that they have to demonstrate their financial viability, or at least Steve Dale has to reveal that he's got the, uh, the, the, the means to keep them going. Well, Steve Dale or someone else. There were some reports this morning that uh, Steve Dale wants uh, around £2 million um, as uh, fees for his time since sort of buying the club for a pound earlier on this, this year so who knows whether yeah, it's actually going to um actually going to go through 135 years of history and potentially a really big blow for the local community a lot of berry fans speaking out a former director joy hart chaining herself to a drain pipe in a bid to save the beleaguered team from impending extinction i read she said she'd originally planned to shackle herself to the les hart stand that was her father who was a Bury fc player but uh she says i'm afraid someone at the club has locked the gate so that's kiboshed that but a, a lamp a drain pipe anyway and it certainly got the the story a little bit more headline inches and and one can only you know hope that somehow before friday's deadline something happens it's not looking good i, I suppose the the one thing that gives a little bit of hope is that the uh, who an interested party only has to demonstrate they have the money they don't have to actually oh, really? fully kind of take over the club ah right although you know this this season if 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 they stick around if this season's going to be tricky they've already uh, had i think six fix, mm. fixtures postponed or cancelled but if Steve Dale does kind of eventually see sense and one of these people uh, demonstrates that they have the money, then at least they'll be able to survive. All right, well, fingers crossed. Bolton, meantime, another team that were featured in that article last week on the totallyfootballshow.com uh, with some more bad news there. Phil Parkinson resigning. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a really it's a miracle that he stayed there for this long because he, he's, he's had to kind of manage players that have um or from their academy to playing in the first team who you know have done creditably but they they postponed a, a league cup game this week basically on the basis of the, citing some kind of fa safeguarding regulations that prevents players that young from playing uh, twice in a week right which the league wasn't happy with but you can see why they did that it was um this, we, we talked about uh, this quite a lot on the totally football league show this week so ah, right to, yeah Go and have a listen to that. There's a sort of more extensive discussion of it there. But Bolton's game against Ipswich at the weekend is going ahead. It's just unclear as to who's actually going to manage them at the moment. Mm, quite a quite a big quite a big detail that. Lindsay, uh, you got the offside rule coming up. Yes, and we're gonna we had a bit of a Hollywood theme last week. Nice because we spoke about different celebrities we'd seen at football matches. Um, that seemed to go down very well. So we're extending that a little bit further with um, footballers. Can I, can I just ask? I haven't actually heard that uh, episode just yet. So who's the biggest celebrity you've seen at a football match? Well, no, I just told a story about how I once interviewed Dave Gorman, having thought I was going to be interviewing Kim Cattrall at right. Liverpool, and it just got gradually downgraded as my day went on. And um, Dave Gorman, the comedian. Yes. Right. 
Yeah, so there was a, a little bit of a story in there about that. Um, and we're going to continue with that theme because there's there's a nice arts theme at Brighton, whereby, I don't know whether you're aware, that the assistant manager, Billy Reid, has starred in a feature film. And so we're going to talk about footballers and people in football that have been in films. And right. Stan Collymore, OBS. Yes. Eric Cantona. OBS. David, David Beckham. Beckham. Yeah. John Walk. John Walk. Yeah, we don't want the OBS, though, that do we? That is OBS, yeah. There's a shot at Glory starring uh, Ali McCoyst and Robert Duvall. Oh, that, yeah, oh. that's amazing. Robert that Duvall. I've seen it. Uh, Robert Duvall with a Scottish accent. Yeah, it's quite a thing. You might steal that one, Nick. Thanks. No, no, it's, it's worth having a look at that film. Uh, really heartwarming story. Mm. Ali McCoyce is actually, I have to say, really good in it. Um, because you'd think, you know, Robert Duvall, two titans of cinema coming together, Ali McCoyce. But Ali McCoyce more than holds his own. Mm. By the way, speaking of obvious footballers in films, Escape to Victory, mm. uh, I'm heartened to see that Reading currently have a Pele and a Pushkas in their lineup. <laughs> I don't know whether Sylvester Stallone will be donning the gloves once more for the Royals, but... Uh, that would be amazing. Solid gold content for you, Lindsay. Yeah, yeah. I, I want to steal it all. Uh, we will also be talking about the European transfer window as well, which is still Good. open. Isn't it, though? Another two weeks of that. It's madness, isn't it? These Europeans with their rules. Brilliant. Michael, here's a question from Maintain SJP. Sorry, Maintain, I should have put this in in the Newcastle section, but can Michael decipher Steve Bruce's tactical game plan? He is our only hope given it is just a total mess on the pitch. This isn't piling on Bruce, says Maintain. This is just further proof that Ashley is the worst owner in the league. Yeah, I mean, it hasn't gone well so far. They've played, you know, five of the backers Benitez did. Are tactics the issue? No, not primarily. I'd say the primary issue is the fact that the, the really good thing they had going last year, particularly in the second half of the season, was the Rondon and, and Perez partnership. They right. worked really well together. They've both gone. Now they're playing Almiron off of Jolinton and they don't have that relationship so far. Right. Sell your two top scorers, you're going to hit some troubles. Duncan, you've had a question in. Yes, yeah, Stephen Batchelor asked, given the Man United penalty Farago, good use of the word Farago there, which team have used the greatest number of different penalty takers in a season? And I did prepare this. And uh, Is it, it Arsenal? It's not Arsenal. One of, someone replied to him and thought it was Manchester United under Van Gaal. Um, it's actually... Another great thing, Harry Redknapp, Sportsmouth, in 2007-08, they had six different penalty takers. Can, in the can we get? Go for it, yeah. Canu. Yeah. Took one, missed it. Crouchy. Nope. Solly Montari. Took one, scored one. Crunchar. Oh, I was going to say Crunchar. Took one, missed one. Okay. The others, should we... Todorov. John Tucker. Good. Good chat for Todorov. <laughs> pretty, no. That was producer Ben. <laughs> uh, <yeah. laughs> really impressed. Um, no. So who, who, Defoe. Uh, Defoe, yeah, took two, scored right. two. He he was, you know, he, he was the go-to man. Brilliant. Um, then Matt Taylor and Benjani oh, yeah. as well. Benjani. Oh, Benjani, I wouldn't have. So six, that's quite a lot, isn't it? Excellent. But they came eighth, so it all worked out fine. It all worked out fine in the end. Very good. Well, uh, that's it for today's Totally Football Show. Monday, it's a bank holiday, but I've just checked my contract and we'll still be here. Daniel Story <laughs> will be joining us. It. Yeah, Tom Williams is also in and Carl Anker to talk Saints. Uh, but many thanks for now to Nick, Duncan, Lindsay and Michael and you listener. Have yourself a great bank holiday weekend and we'll speak to you soon. You've been listening to The Totally Football Show, a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, please email sales at muddykneesmedia.com. Keep up to date with everything across our Totally Football network at The Totally Show on Twitter. And make sure you check out our brand new website too, thetotallyfootballshow.com. <laughs>